Alright, hello, adoptees, adopted people, uh, adoptive parents, friends, family members of adoptees, and uh, community members in the adoption world. Welcome to The Rambler. This is my podcast, my show. I am your host, Mike McDonald. i got a great show for you today. My guest is Heather Schultz. Heather Schultz is the episode that you are listening to right now. And uh, she's awesome. She's very busy. She's working at the Donaldson Adoption Institute, uh, kind of managing the communications and stuff over there. Uh, and uh, she's got a bunch of town halls that you can tune into virtually. Uh, the one I think uh, coming up soon is in Chicago, but there is a live stream that's going on. It's on a Thursday night. You can go to their website and you can go to letsadoptyourform.com, I think it is, to, uh, to check that out. But you're going to hear all about that in a minute. Uh, this week I will be in Boston, wonderful Boston. Haven't been up there uh, since uh, late last year, I guess. I'm excited. I'm excited to go. Haven't been to Boston for a minute, like I said, so it, uh, it'll be good. I don't have any plans right now uh, to meet anybody from BKA, the infamous Boston Korean Adoptee Group, but uh, that's all right. That's cool. I'm, I'm busy with work stuff and other things anyways. I got a couple of uh, interviews that you will probably hear at a later date to be determined in the near future. In any case, yesterday was my airplane day. For those of you who do not know what an airplane day is, sometimes it's called a gotcha day, uh, sometimes it's called an arrival day, and it's basically uh, the date that I showed up to America. America! And uh, the history of the United States has never been the same since. Uh, I came on April 9th, 1985 at the age of three months old i flew into jfk international airport out there in new york uh or here in new york i should say and uh you know that was my first experience with uh, america so you're welcome everybody and the rest is history and you are listening to some of it right now uh what's been going on with you well how are you guys doing we got the uh the kindred gala happened last week uh, looked like it went off without a hitch. Looked like a big success. So congratulations to Kindred, uh, fellow podcaster Jenna Ushkowitz, and former Glee star. If you uh, watched Glee, yeah, she is a Korean adoptee. Uh, also, Sam Fuderman was there, and uh, looked like it was a lot of fun. I didn't, I didn't go. I didn't realize there was a gala season. This is gala season. I got two other galas to go to this month: the Korean American Story Gala. Uh, later, I actually, it's early next month, it's not this month, but it's, you know, within this next 30 days, I will be going to that. And also, the, uh, AKA 20th anniversary, which is at the end of the month, and, uh, you heard a little bit about that last week, Jay Rinner did a little shout-out, and, uh, I'll shout it again. You can go to alsoknowneas.org, and there's also a splash that page, I guess, uh, where you can reserve your, your seats and your tickets, and you can do the same thing for Korean American Story, KoreanAmericanStory.org. If you are a Korean American, don't even have to be adopted. True story. Korean American story. Uh, and that's it. That's all the announcements right now off the top of my head that I got. So uh, why don't we just jump right in? We're going to jump right in this week to the interview with Heather Schultz. Without further ado, enjoy. Welcome, Heather, to the uh, the Rambler podcast. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thank you for meeting with me. We are here at the Donaldson Institute, where you work now. This is a new job, right? Yes. 
You did, so when did you start? You just started. I, st- I officially started on February 1st. Cool. But Are I you liking with, it so far? I'm loving it, yes. Awesome. Yeah, so actually, you're on the board of AKA, but we've actually never met before, despite both of us going to events and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I guess the way we sort of virtually met was not even through AKA. It was because I live tweeted the Donaldson Institute Let's Talk Reform. Uh, At our San Francisco Town Hall, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did, I did the same thing for the one previous to that. I, I think that was in Dallas. In Dallas. I was at Dallas, too. Okay, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you said I was kind of the most active Yes, tweet. you were. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure I'm annoying the Donaldson Institute right now with all of my tweets. Oh, the Donaldson Adoption Institute. Okay, the Donaldson Adoption Institute. I'm yeah, sorry. That's okay. Okay, cool. So... Uh, so you've been working here for a couple of months now, mm-hmm. and you're liking it? I'm liking it. So what do, you, what do you do for the Donaldson Adoption Institute? So as communications and development manager, I'm responsible for editorial strategy, um, I'm keeping track of all our content mm-hmm. for the blog, for April Dinwiddie. She's the chief executive of the Donaldson Adoption Institute. Great. For her, she has her own blog on the Huffington Post. Um, oh, really? And we also do um, strategic op-eds around our different town, town halls. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a placement... Um, in the San Francisco Examiner um, around, like, homelessness and, like, um, adoption and everything. Cool. What's, mm-hmm. the, uh, what's the blog called on Huffington Post? Um, it's just, um, if you just type um, April Dinwiddie's name, mm-hmm. um, it will come up. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, her personal little section of the, of the paper. Yes, yeah. That's pretty rad. Yeah, she, um, she, um, she's also a transracially adopted person. Mm-hmm. Um, she's half black and white. Um, and she wrote a really um, great piece um, on Black History Month. Oh, yeah? Yes. Cool. I think I saw that one actually. I may have uh, reposted it or retweeted it or both. I don't. I don't know. Somewhere in the social media world is where it is now. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure. It got, I think that actually got a lot of traction. It, I've it seen did, a bunch of yeah. different posts about that. So that's pretty awesome. So she's she's the boss, huh? Yes, she's it. Yes. <laughs> and we're and we're we're a small team. Um, we, have, we we get a lot done, and um, we're all passionate about the mission and everything. And awesome. Um, it's great to. I come from a journalism background. Oh yeah. So this position merges my communications, journalism background with my love for adoption reform. So it's great to, I mean, I was doing like adoption work, like on a volunteer basis, for oh, yeah. also known as mm-hmm. like on the board, but it's great to do this professionally. Cool. I'm really honored. Well, how'd you get involved with uh, AKA? With AKA? Um, so my first event with AKA was um, the Moth. Mm-hmm. The storytelling workshop last spring. Yeah. And um, Jen Kim and Marissa, mm-hmm. um, they were also part of that workshop with me. And um, I introduced, um, after, so I wrote, I went to Cree for the first time in October 2014. Okay. And I wrote two personal essays for NBC News. Um, oh, really? One ran my last week when I was in South Korea. I was there for three weeks. And then, um, so that just was about why I decided to go back to South Korea, mm-hmm. launching the search for my birth family. An identity and my childhood growing up in um, suburban Long Island in a predominantly mm-hmm. white environment. And um, when I and then when I returned, I had a second personal essay published in NBC News about everything that I experienced in South Korea. Right. And then um, several Korean adoptees from all over the states connected <laughs> with me on Facebook, on Twitter, yeah, yeah. and my website. <laughs> and then um, and one of them was actually. Um, a Korean adoptee um, in Wantaw in Long Island. Oh, yeah? Yes. And we actually met up um, like last spring and everything. And I introduced him to the CAD group. And oh, cool. um, he got access. And then it was um, Kristen Jordan. Mm-hmm. Kristen Jordan, she put a post in the CAD group that she was looking for um, people for the moth workshop. 
And then I saw it and, I'm, and I love the moth and I've never, and I'm like, oh my God, this is the perfect opportunity. So um, I applied, I sent her my information and, um, and the moth really, it, it was such a, um, I'm very grateful for the experience because mm-hmm. it um, helped me talk about a time that I haven't really talked about that I needed yeah. to. Yeah. Get off your chest. Get off my chest. Yeah. yeah, well, writing is definitely a great outlet. I, <laughs> when I was younger, I used to write a lot of poetry and stuff like that. I always found that to be a, a positive outlet to get my feelings out instead of, you know, in some aggressive or violent way or something. <laughs> it's easy as a kid to go overboard, you know. All right, so you grew up on Long Island then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were adopted straight to Long Island. I can yes. tell from the accent you spent a lot of time there. Really? I, I can't. <laughs> really? I can't even. It's only slight. It's okay. only slight. I okay. swear. <laughs> so yeah, so you were adopted to the Schultz family out in Long Island. Yes. Obviously from a Korean background, a Korean adoptee. Yes. And uh, how old were you when you were adopted? I was four months. Okay. So you're really young. Really young, yeah. Really young. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much straight Long Island girl. <laughs> straight Long Island girl, grew up in Farmingdale, which is on the um, border of Nassau and Suffolk County. Mm-hmm. And so you still live out there in Long Island, right? I live in Rockville Center now. It's in Nassau County. But okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. How's that commute in here? Um, it's not that bad. It's about like maybe like 40, 45 minutes, okay. um, give or take, on the Long Island Railroad into sure. Penn Station, Midtown. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I get the best of both worlds. I love the concrete jungle, but I'm not <laughs> quite sure if I would want to. You get to get out of there every yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the trees and the beach and all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. They got a beach out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. It's nice. So it was a nice growing up out in Long Island then? Oh, I know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the summers were great with the beach and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And we're and and where I live, we were never that far from the city. I mean, at most, sure. I was like like an hour away. Which so. Yeah, yeah. And how was growing up with the Schultzes out there? With the shelters, um, so my mother, um, she was uh, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, mm. um, in her, I, I believe she was twenty. Oh, jeez. And she wanted me so bad. Um, she had endometri- um, she um couldn't give naturally because she yeah. had endometriosis, yeah. and because of her MS, mm-hmm. so she adopted me, from November nineteen eighty four, and um, she wanted me so bad that she actually borrowed her cousin's cast because she was in a wheelchair mm. and she didn't want anyone to know that she had a terminal illness because they may have not given her to me, wow. given me to her. Um, so she borrowed her cousin's cast to make it just seem like she broke her leg. That's huh. how bad she wanted me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is that a real fear? Is that a thing? Like if they had known that she had MS that they would have blocked the adoption or something like that? I'm not sure. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, that's, that's what family members have mm-hmm. told me. I mean, my, really? my mother never, never, I mean, sadly growing up, like she just was always, she went downhill very fast. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, that must've been pretty hard growing up, um, with, with your mother being ill and having to take care of her and stuff like that. But, you know, she probably was very happy to have you around, to have her have some help and have a daughter and everything like that. Yeah. So it sounds like it was a loving household. Yes, and my and my my dad, <clears throat> he absolutely adored her. And then we had, um, there was a nurse, um, and she would come and mm-hmm. take care of my mom. So was it just you, only child? Um, yes. Okay. At that time. So I was, so they adopted me in 84, mm-hmm. and then my dad remarried when I was in third grade. I was... Eight or nine, mm-hmm. and um, and then he married uh, to a woman who was previously divorced. Okay, with um, two daughters from her previous marriage. All right. So um, so, so one you have, daughter like, stepbrothers and sisters. Yeah. So one daughter is my age. She's mm-hmm. well. She just turned thirty-two. I'm going to be thirty-two in the summer. Okay. And then uh, I have a sister who is twenty-eight, going to be twenty-nine, and mm-hmm. then my brother, um, my dad, and my stepmom had my brother together. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how old is he now? He is 
22. Oh, yeah, young guy. <laughs> <laughs> so what do they all do? Well, it sounds like he's probably, what, graduating college now or something? Um, I actually think he wants to follow in my dad's uh, footsteps. My dad is um, a Suffolk County policeman. Oh, yeah? And so I be- my brother was interested in going, uh, applying for the NYPD. Okay. And um, my sister, Megan, she mm-hmm. is a tattoo artist in Connecticut. Nice. And she is just a phenomenal, she can draw anything. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you have any tattoos then? Um, she give you any tattoos? No tattoos yet because my grandma's like, you can't get any tattoos, Heather. My grandma hates tattoos. I'm like, okay. But no. she let your sister be a, a tattoo artist? <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty much like I'm I'm the, all my, all, all the grandkids basically have tattoos except for me. But oh, yeah. I really want to figure out like what exactly I want. And I guess sure, that's. Sure, it's for life. It's for life, yeah. <laughs> I feel the same apprehension about tattoos. Everybody judges me, but I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to be stuck with something. And then later, I'm like, five years later, I regret it. And I'm like, I got this covered up or removed, and it's the whole thing. Yeah. Sounds like she's a good artist out there in Connecticut. Oh, she's phenomenal. So if you are looking for a tattoo, I'll definitely give you her information. <laughs> oh, she's, great. Yeah, she's she could draw anything, and she's very good at drawing, like, mythical creatures and everything. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you get, like, a real sweet dragon or something oh, like yes. that. Oh, yes. Yeah, anything. Yeah, and I think she does, like, um, and... And a lot of her clients, like, they just tell her what they want, like, no preparation, and she just does freestyle tattoo, oh, yeah? tattoo art. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Did she draw, like, a little sketch beforehand so you know what you're getting, or is it just like, do it? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I guess maybe it's a mixture of both. I'm not, mm. yeah. And what does your other sister do? Um, she does, um, she loves um, anything dealing with, like, um, fish and um, exotic fish, so she actually oh, yeah? has, like, an interesting, like, a marine biology fish blog. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and then you were also interested in writing, though. So when did that start? Um, since I was a little girl, yeah. I always loved, I know the Asian stereotype, you know, we're all, we're supposed to be good in math and science. I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> I was in horrible math and science. It just wasn't where my passion was aligned. I always loved. I always loved writing. And I remember in sixth grade, um, my um, my teacher he asked me to be a like a peer uh, peer reviewer of all my classmates' work. Wow! So that's where I really. You must have been pretty good then. Really cool. So (laughs) I love the I love taking the red pen and editing, but I. You're pointing out all their grammatical errors and their spelling mistakes. Yeah, and I do that with my friend's text, too. Like, my best friend. Oh, that must be horrible for you. (laughs) She'll, like, she won't, she'll, like, text me, like, K, and she just does that because it bothers me. Not, like, the word okay, but the letter (laughs) K. Wait, the letter K bothers you? Yeah. Why? It just, it bothers me. That's not, like, a, that's a slang thing, though. That's not, like, a grammatical thing, really. No, I like, I like okay, like, O-K-A-Y. What if it's, the letter's okay, is that bad? Okay, but I just really don't like K, K. It <laughs> drives me nuts, Mike. <laughs> what if it's K, like K-A-Y? No? no? No. It has to have the O. It has to have the O. You're a stickler. Yeah, I'm a stickler. Would you say you're a perfectionist? Um, yes, yeah. Yeah? When I, and, and that's the problem. Like, I'm writing a, writing a memoir, mm-hmm. and I've been writing this on and off for the past six years. And, wow, um, yeah. I've kind of put it on hold. I need to get back to that, but I have a tendency to self-edit when sure. I write, so I don't really get that much done. So I just need to kind of get that vomit draft out and just mm. release, and then you know, kind of tweak it. But I mean, I just I I edit as I go. I write a line. I'm like, okay, da 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 da. I hear you. We're we're gonna get back into that the memoir. I'm very interested in okay. that in a minute. But growing up in Long Island, uh, mm-hmm. outside the family and your school and everything like that, how was that? Um, I was always the token Asian. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are a couple other Asians, um, a couple other um, 
African-American students, mm-hmm. maybe like one or two Hispanic students. Um, and I remember in third grade, um, there was an Afri- African-American boy, yeah. um, JJ, and he was one of the fastest runners, I remember, in like third grade. And uh-huh. he just made, like, I, he, I fear going to school because of him. Was he a bully? He was a bully. And he was, and, and mind you, he was, he was, he was smaller than me. <laughs> Um, but he just, he would, um, he would slant back his eyes and just oh, yeah. make fun of me. And I just, I, I feared going, going to school every day. Cause it, just cause of that, was there any, there was nothing physical though. It was just like no physical, but I mean, sometimes, sometimes the emotional abuse is worse sure, yeah. and the damaging and mm-hmm. just, um, um, calling, um, just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think he knew what he was doing? Like to be not, I mean, like he obviously knew what he was doing, but do you, do you think he knew like how uh, I don't, mean or damaging that was? I then? don't think he really realized the impact. I sure. mean, like we were, we were in third grade, we were all like eight years old and yeah, everything. Yeah. So um, he, I'm sure he didn't realize. I'm sure he probably mm-hmm. picked that up somewhere. Maybe, maybe at home or, you know, other, other kids. I mean, kids like to mimic other kids. Yeah. So, um, I mean, like I think about it differently now, but I mean, I remember I was traumatized. Sure, yeah. When I was in third grade, and there was nothing you didn't tell your teachers about it or your parents or anything like that. No, I kind of was just, um, you know, I just, I, I just, just dealt with it. I just dealt with it. You didn't even write or anything about it as an outlet then. I I didn't write about it. I didn't write about it until I was in high school mm-hmm. because there was another occurrence in fourth grade. I was in a play, and then um, I don't really remember what. <laughs> what the gist of the play was but I remember at the end we were um everybody in the play we all came together and um and we were all holding hands right yeah. and there was one Caucasian student who was by me and she whenever we practiced she wouldn't hold my hand do you think it was a race thing Yes. Yeah. And it just it, and like and I and, and I cried and it just made me feel awful mm. until like the day of our you know the the, the big performance. Yeah, um, yeah. She did for the performance and then she quickly, uh-huh. she quickly released it. But wow. I just, yeah. Well, that's not very nice. No. <laughs> so you wrote about that in high school. I wrote about that in high school. Was that the first time you started writing about uh, like the race issues that you experienced and mm-hmm. stuff like that? Did yes. you ever write about uh, adoption issues or was it just about race issues that you had had as a kid? Um, more about race issues mm-hmm. and I didn't really wrap my head around ad- adoption. I mean, I, I mean, I talked about it in some context, um, mm-hmm. with like, with my mother who passed away sure. from multiple sclerosis when I was 10 and 95, I was in oh, fifth man. grade. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, no, no, no. Understandable. Um, yeah, it's, things happen and I know she's still with me. I just, she's here with me right now. I just can't see her. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I didn't really wrap, wrap my head around it. I just, and I've, and I've always gone through abandonment issues, mm-hmm. and I really see that recurring in my in my relationships. Oh, really? Yeah, so. I don't think that's a not. It's not an uncommon theme, mm-hmm. I think, amongst adoptees, the abandonment issues and stuff like that. So you're definitely not alone in, in that respect. So you didn't really start exploring those adoption issues until a lot later, huh? Mm-hmm. But you would talk about that with your mom, or no? No, no? I didn't talk. I mean, she, my mom, she she was very sick, so she really. Yeah. She couldn't really, even if I, and I was young, so I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, like she, pa- she passed away when I was 10. So, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't wrap my head around those issues. Sure. And then my father, um, I know he loves me, but he's, um, he's very, very, very quiet. Okay. So yeah. I just didn't feel comfortable sharing that mm-hmm. part of, part, part of myself and everything. So quiet, like stoic or quiet, like introverted. Do you think? Probably a mixture of both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then uh, and I think I mean I mean that's only natural. He's he's a cop after all. So sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Cops can be very gregarious, <laughs> outgoing guys. Okay. You know. <laughs> Go out to the bar, the cop bar, right? But I guess with some things that you see on the job, you have to... Keep to yourself. Yeah, sure, you, you don't want to bring that stuff home yeah, to your kids and everything like that, right? You can't, like, be that emotional that things. Sure. You have to what have kind of cop is he? Is he, like, a detective, or what, what does he do? No, I, I think he pretty much... St- he didn't want to rise up in the ranks. He's pretty... He's been on the force since 83. Oh, yeah, that's a long mm-hmm. time. He's yeah. still doing it? Yeah, I'm like, Dad, when are you going to retire? And I don't... Yeah, he's... He's like, never... <laughs> That's a long time. Mm-hmm. What is that, like 32 years, 33 years now? Yes. That's a long time on the force. Well, good job, Mr. <laughs> Schultz, Officer Schultz. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, okay, so so when do you think you first started exploring adoption issues? With adoption? Mm-hmm. Um, really? Um, when I was, when I started writing my memoir. So, so about six years ago. In 2010. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what prompted that? Um, since... Like, in 11th grade, um, I had a crush on my student teacher. I mean, all the girls did. <laughs> so you're like a cute guy or something? Is he new, new guy? You're like, oh, um, I hope he's cute. Um, and he shows up. And Mr. Like, Buddy. And he was like a Dartmouth grad and everything. Oh, and fancy. Fancy. And, uh, <laughs> and everyone loved him. He met me 11. And um, we watched, um, we finished reading The Catch in the Rye. Okay, yeah. And then I, you know, I really connected with Holden Caulfield's did character. And, I, and You were like, everything is crap. <laughs> I'm going to F you on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then I decided after that I wanted to write my own story. And I remember mm-hmm. telling him being 16 years, being 16, oh, I, Mr. Buddy, I want to write, I want to write my memoir. I, I'm going to finish my memoir like this year. And he's like, he's like, you know, this stuff takes time. Like, don't sure, like, yeah. let it develop. And, and also maybe you haven't lived enough. So it's going to be a shorter <laughs> book. <laughs> exactly. Um yeah, so, but, um, so in 2010, I was finally, I decided, you know what? I keep talking about it. Let me, let me take this workshop mm-hmm. and, and start writing my memoir. Okay. So you decided back in, in 10th grade, you were going to start writing 11th mem- grade. 11th grade. <laughs> for, for, thanks to Mr. Buddy yeah. and his encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you graduated, you obviously showed an interest in writing, mm-hmm. which carried through you to, through college. Yes. Where'd you, where'd you go to school? I went to NASA Community College after mm-hmm. I graduated from Middle High School in 2002. Okay. I was at NASA for two years. I got my associates in media. Mm-hmm. Then I took a semester off and I went to Hofstra for a semester. Okay, yeah. And it just really wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like I grew up in Long Island, I'm, I, I still consider myself a city girl and I just yeah. wanted... The diversity, the melting pot, and I just... Um, Austria wasn't diverse? Um, it was diverse, but it just wasn't like... It just... I, I just... Didn't feel like I felt I felt in. Mm-hmm. Um, so just wrong environment. Then. Yeah, it just wasn't it just wasn't for me. Yeah, so yeah. Um, then I took a semester off and then I went back. I went to Baruch, CUNY Baruch. Where's that one? Um, it's part of the City University of New York. Oh, okay. And it's on um, Lexington between 24th and 25th. Okay. And I got my bachelor's in journalism in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then um, after and then at at that time, with the recession, it was yeah. difficult finding a job. Yeah, no kidding. So I was piecing together um, a whole bunch of... I was working part-time in the Office of Communications at Baruch. I was freelancing for the New York Daily News, where okay. I wrote their wedding column. So oh. I know enough about weddings to become a wedding planner, but that's not <laughs> a career path I want to pursue. <laughs> you could be hanging out with Jen Kim like all the time then. I love Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys talk about that stuff like a lot? No, 
actually know. <laughs> no, but I love her Instagram posts and like the floor arrangements and all her They're event great. design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're doing uh, stuff for the Daily News, mm-hmm. and and then. So how did wait? So you said you were working for NBC for a while? Oh sure. Um. So just back up. So I was. So in 2008, 2009, I was working part-time at Baruch right. in the Office of Communications uh-huh. and Marketing. And then I was also freelancing for the New York Daily News, mm-hmm. their down-the-aisle wedding column. And then also I um, I freelanced for their Your Home section, which um, covers real estate and home design. Okay. And then I got my first full-time journalism job at a trade publication on legal technology in 2010. On legal technology? On legal technology. What is that? Um, all about like... Um, the e-discovery, like a, a litigation technology that lawyers use to do their job. Huh. Yeah, it's a whole other world. <laughs> so, I don't even know about this world. So you had to write on that. Um, well, I mean, I was I was assistant editor, and um, it was a small team. It just was um, me, a news editor, and the editor in chief. The editor in chief, and uh-huh. then she had some freelancers. So I didn't have to write like any really in-depth feature articles. Okay. Um, I wrote more like um, little blurbs about like different products that um, mm-hmm. in legal to- te- technology that lawyers could use. How did you land that one? You just they were just like Schultz, you're on this. <laughs> I, uh, I that was my editor voice. <laughs> My managing editor. Voice. I, I, I believe I found out Media Bistro. Okay. Yeah, and I and I was and I was there for a year, and then I went to another trade publication, um, where uh, which dealt with direct marketing, and I was copy production editor there. Okay. So that was um, so like I mentioned um, back in sixth, sixth grade, I love being a peer peer reviewer. Yeah, yeah. And so like I really have an eye for like headlines and like uh-huh. missing commas and periods and all that. All There's a serial comma there. that needs to be here. Yeah. That's a pet peeve of mine. I, that's a pet peeve of mine too. I don't. Yeah, it's important with legal. Right? Yes, yeah. Legality. That's the only reason I like know like that belongs there. Because I feel like most people don't care. They're like, oh, who cares? I'm <laughs> like, well, if this ever got into a legal battle, you would care. Exactly. That <laughs> <laughs> comma's important. So I was there for a year, and then um, in 2012, um, I was, uh, then I, in 2012, I started freelancing for the New York the New York Times. Oh, yeah? And that was, I mean... That's pretty sweet. How'd you get that one? Um, I joined the Asian American Journalists Association, uh-huh. and um, I networked and uh, attended as many volunteer events as I could awesome. and got my name known out. And then we saw um, Chinglish. I've never heard of this one. Um, I, I, Is it a documentary or um, just a... On, Bra- on Broadway. It was a Broadway play. Oh, yeah? Yes. And we saw Chinglish, and there was a meet and greet with the uh, actors after, uh-huh. and... Um, and so is that like a press pass thing? It was actually it was actually like hosted by the Asian American Journal Association oh, okay. the New York chapter, and I believe the um, the New York Times their Asian Heritage um, Department network and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some editors from the New York Times were there, and um, the editor for the Vow section was there, hmm. and. Um, like I networked with him, I got his business card. I asked him what he was looking for sure. in his story pitch, and of course, that was a Friday. And that Monday, of course, I reached out to him. It was a pleasure meeting you, and um, and and I and I pitched a couple days later. Yeah. So what did you end up pitching? Um, I pitched a story on innovative, say the date, wedding announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I found more couples were, um, this is back in, this is published in January 2012. So okay. I found more bride and grooms were going outside the box rather than like um, sending your typical wedding postcard. They mm-hmm. were doing music videos. Um, they, <laughs> were doing, they were doing I think I've seen scratch-offs. Those. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I saw one that was like, seemed like it was big production. It was like there was a helicopter involved <laughs> and like fireworks and all kinds of stuff. I was like, damn, who has the money for this? This is like a real music video. <laughs> So that's I, I would have loved to have seen what that wedding is like. <laughs> have you ever so have you covered those stories? Have you seen uh, any of the weddings after that, or is it just on the save the dates? Um, the save. I mean, I've unfortunately I never got to attend any of those like, <laughs> any of those weddings. But um, so I did the save the date piece. I also did another piece on like live streaming. Okay. I mean, there are always guests that can't attend the wedding due to logistics, due to work, yeah. doing due due to money, um, right. due just just like life events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found more couples were live streaming their wedding. So like dialing in, just watching it. Um, like using using a channel like live stream or mm-hmm. Ustream. Um, and also couples were live tweeting. Oh yeah. Um, creating like the combination of their last names as a hashtag. Oh yeah, we hashtagged our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> but then there was like another. It was like somebody used the same hashtag in like Thailand or something like that. So if you look it up, it's like I'm sure because it was like hashtag Mick Wedding. I'm sure tons of people have done that now. And like you'll probably get a plethora of like all kinds of different weddings. <laughs> Did you so um which was interesting, one of the couples I profiled in that piece, um, they um they were from Minneapolis uh-huh. and um they actually like strangers um saw that saw their their hashtag t- like trending on Twitter. Really? And they actually tuned strangers tuned into their wedding. <laughs> Said, Did strangers tune into your wedding? Uh I don't think so, but yeah, you know, how would I know? I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was it was it was a fun thing to do, anyways. So everybody had a pretty good experience from that article. I mean. Yes, and then the um, and then the, another article I wrote was about the emergence of um, what I found was like I was really interested in the intersection of technology mm-hmm. in the wedding space. Okay, and um, so my third article for the New York Times, their vow section, was about the emergence of photo sharing apps in oh, the yeah. in the wedding space. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what. Like iCloud or Gmail or what, Google Photos um, and stuff like that? Um, okay. Wedding Party. Um, I think Appy Couples, another one of them. Uh-huh. And it's like, I mean, it's it's a great way to <laughs> aggregate your photos. So you um, would download the app and you would um, have a sign for your, for your guests to download the app and you would have like the username and password mm. and the guests can upload all the photos to one central location for yeah. you and like them, comment on them, really, um, really, really feel engaged yeah. rather than the bride and groom, like going the next day, going through all sure, photos yeah, of yeah. them tagged on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram or yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what got you interested in that? You said you were you were interested in technology and weddings? Yeah, just kind of like my first story that I pitched to the Times in 2012, it was this innovative say the dates and then and then I realized that the common thread with all my stories was that was technology. Technology weddings. Technology and weddings. But I definitely and um and I definitely had the background in weddings from the daily news because right, I yeah. I did wedding announcements. Okay. So. Interesting. So you just a naturally it just came to you that theme. It just yeah, it just came <laughs> to me. And then so um so twenty twelve I was trying to um um figure out like like my like my next big big step and yeah, yeah. um find um because I was freelancing for the times I wanted something full time. Uh-huh. And um and it things didn't work out the way that I wanted. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I ended up going back to grad school for my master of public administration at Baruch. Okay. So I went um, in spring semester 2013, and mm-hmm. then I was there for a year and a half. Yeah, because I always knew I wanted a graduate degree. Uh-huh. Uh, like back in 2009 and 2010, I thought about law school. I took the LSAT oh, yeah? and I bombed the LSAT. <laughs> and then I just didn't want to take it again. I even like paid for a very expensive course. Oh, yeah. And I just never took the class, uh, took the um, took the exam after the course. And, oh. And then all my lawyers. Why not? I, all my lawyer friends are like, hey, you don't want to be a lawyer. We're uh, not. I'm like. <laughs> you got talked out of it? Um, I, I just, I'm like, I don't, is this what I really, if I was, if I was to be a lawyer, I guess like, like media lawyer, like IP or something like that. But sure. like, I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent about it. So, yeah, yeah. um, I went to a formation session, um, about the CIA, about the CIA at Baruch. And mm-hmm. that's how I learned about Baruch's master public administration program. Okay. And, um, I liked the, um, you know, um, just how like a policy shaped and the government and everything. And also... The program, I could finish that in a year and a half, two years, so it's not that much of my time. Oh, sure, yeah. So that was a driver. (laughs) But you didn't want to get, like, an MFA or anything like that? No, yeah, no. All right. So so after that, what did you end up doing? You go to Baruch and you get your... uh... So I thought I wanted to be in D.C. Oh, yeah? Um, That's where all the policy is. Yeah, that's the place (laughs) for policy, and I interned for the... Women's Health and Rights Program at the Center for American Progress. Okay. And um, and it was a really great internship, and I was um, and Baruch covered our housing for the semester. That's and not bad. I I and um. And Where'd I, you end up living down there? Where was, was the housing? I was right by Maryland Avenue, I think. Believe Maryland Avenue by Capitol Hill. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I was like walking distance to like a Union Station. I mm-hmm. walked to Union Station every day with my roommate, and then we would hop on hop on the train. It's not a bad walk. It's a nice no, walk. Ni- nice walk, and it was just and like that. The four months I was there, I did everything. Everything I went to, like every museum, every memorial. Oh yeah. Saw the cherry blossoms and all that. Oh yeah. Well, that was this past weekend. They had the cherry blossom. I just did yeah, the cherry blossom. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was unexpected. It was high winds though. It was not fun. Not a fun run. It was cold. I was like, and then today it was beautiful. It was like seventy degrees and sunny, and I was like, "This is this would have been nice." How many people showed up for the? Tens of thousands. There's wow. still like a ton of people that showed up. It was crazy. It was crazy. But the blossoms, because the in the morning it was like raining really hard, uh, and there was high winds, like I said. So like none of the cherry blossoms were really out as much as they were like the day before or the day after. It was just like wet and nasty. It's gross. But yeah, DC is great. I love DC. Uh, you end up going to a lot of museums. I, yeah. I love those museums. Down I love there. them. I love the Native American Museum. I haven't been to that one yet. What do you love they're, about that one? Um, I really, I'm a, I'm a big foodie, and their yeah? cafeteria, their, their food was ridiculous. Really? Yes. And I still can't. And their coffee is like some of the best coffee I've I've huh. had. Yeah. That's crazy. So, what was the good dish there? Or do you not have a favorite because they're all so good? They're all they're all so good. <laughs> yes, but next time you go to DC, definitely check out the Native American. I went to um, obviously as as you know, coming from journalism, I had to check out the museum, which is uh, oh just, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, have you been there before? I haven't been there either. Yeah, you, you have to go there, and they had like um a whole Anchorman exhibit. So I went with like <laughs> one of my friends who's visiting me, and she also is a journalist. So okay, we were just having we we're we were having the time of our life. <laughs> Nice. I yeah, usually end up going, I, I don't know why, I always end up going to uh, Air and Space, even though it's like the oh, same exhibits yeah. over and over. It's so, like I love them. Yeah. And uh, the Natural History Museum, the History Museum, the American History Museum, rather. The, Have you uh, been to Natural the Spy Archives. Museum? 
Yeah, the Spy Museum's yeah. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Did that. I think the last time I was there, they had like a like the old uh, James Bond car and then a new one. Because I think like the new Bond movie had like just come out or something like that. So there was a lot of Bondish stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, those are like all my favorites that I, I usually, I like my, the ones that I always go to like every time. And you saw all the Something. memorials. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. And Arlington Cemetery. Actually, I haven't been to Arlington Cemetery since I was a kid. Probably we did a, a school trip when I was in like middle school, maybe. And uh, I ended up getting grounded on the trip because uh, some teacher was playing. So they were like, "Oh, you know, all the kids were in the rooms. They're like, don't answer the door to anybody unless it's a teacher, right?" And it was like, "Okay, yeah, those are, that makes sense as a rule because they're talking about like seventh and eighth graders, right? I think it was just eighth grade trip." The teacher knocks on the door, and she's like, open the door. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to open the door. She's like, open the door. I'm a teacher. Blah, blah, blah. Look at the people. So I look, look at the people. It's like whoever it is. I'm like, okay. And I open the door, and she's like, ah, you weren't supposed to open the door. You're grounded from the blah, blah, blah. I was <laughs> like, what? This is me. You said you were only to open the door for a teacher, and you're a teacher. And so, yeah, I didn't get to go to anything, really, except for, like, the last uh, night's oh. celebration or whatever. And then I was like the last one. Right when you were on an on class trip in DC. Yeah, it was so annoying. So yeah, it was. And I remember I, we did go to Arlington Cemetery. I think we did that uh, that I can remember. Uh, we did go to the Korean War Memorial, and I think uh, some of the memorials around that area of the mall. Arlington Cemetery. I remember the tour. They were like, "Oh, if a soldier dies now, though, it's going to be filled up by like the year two thousand. So there's going to be no more soldiers buried here." I was like, "What? That's crazy." <laughs> But now I think they're still burying people in Arlington Cemetery, so obviously that uh, that hasn't happened. And obviously we've had plenty of war since then, so there's, I guess, still space available. Anyway, so that was my trip to my first Have trip to D.C. Have you been to the, um, I took to um, some of the professors, worked their connections, and um, so I did a, like a class field trip with um, the, I think there are like maybe 12 of us who were there, who mm-hmm. were, were down there for the semester, and we... Um, Oh, we took a tour of the Pentagon and the White House, which was pretty awesome. Yep, never did either of those <laughs> either. Yeah, I kind of I should do that sometime. I really yes, should. Yeah. I think the White House one, you gotta reserve a spot like months in advance to go on there. Yeah, and they and they vet you and everything. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's because you end up with that uh, crazy guy the other day. I guess he tried to shoot up Capitol Hill or something insane. This country sometimes is insane with the with the gun violence. Anyways, we're not going to get into that. So, <laughs> so you're in DC for a semester, and so, um, so I, and then I went back to New York and um, graduated mm-hmm. end of May, and then I started, and I, and I sent my resume everywhere in New York and DC, New York yeah. and DC, and um, nothing in policy showed up. I ended up, mm-hmm. um, I was working, um, I was a consultant for this. Um, Tech. See, everything kept going back to tech. <laughs> it's a, it's a hot field right now. I think it's going to continue to be for a while. Everybody loves tech. And then, um, so I ended up um, from um, one of uh, one of my professors at Baruch. He um, put me in touch with one of his contacts, um, Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. Okay. And um, they had um, a program called New York City Generation Tech. Um, which is um, a rigorous um, summer summer high school pro- program for disadvantaged um, high school students, mm-hmm. and it teaches them how to code. Oh wow! And then um, it actually puts them in a competition. So they all pick their own teams, and they all create 
a, like concept, a program or something. Yeah, a concept for an app, and they all build their app. Wow. And then they're um, and then their mentors from um, Warby Parker at Nexus oh, yeah. and some um, Deloitte and some other tech companies. Um, working with them on developing the business concept mm-hmm. and um, the app. And then they had, uh, and then at, at the App Nexus headquarters, they had a demo competition and cool. they were the top three teams. So you got involved. What was your, what was your job there then? Um, so just, um, just like facilitating, coordinating. Um, so I was responsible for um, keeping track of managing the, um, they met, they met with their mentors uh-huh. Um in the evenings twice a week. So I just spearheaded all that and everything. Okay. Um, I don't you have a background. You didn't have to code. I don't have a background as coding. You make an app. <laughs> and they used um, uh, Code Academy. Uh-huh. Um, so I, yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for coders. That's not, I... You should yeah. make like a Donaldson Adoption Institute app. <laughs> we should, we should, we should. Um, so I was there for the summer, and then I networked uh-huh. with um, one of the companies um, called Live Person that had some uh, mentors for the for the program, and then that ended up in, that led to a job. Oh, so okay. I was, so where did you um, go from there? I was a content marketing specialist mm-hmm. there, so I was managing their blog and everything. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And then I w- yeah, and I was I was with I was with them for about six months, and uh-huh. then um, and then I decided. I wanted to get back to writing and journalism. Sure. And then um, I started freelancing for NBC News. Okay. And, what were you covering for them? Um, I um, a criminal justice. Oh yeah. So what got you interested? Were you interested in CJ? Or was that a I was interested in CJ a, um, a little bit um, when I was um, at the Center for American Progress. Okay. Um, I wrote a piece about. Um, um, there, um, I found that uh, very inhumane practice. Um, when there were be when there were pregnant women in prison, um, they would shackle them. Hmm. And um, so I wrote a piece about some anti-shackling legislation yeah. uh, for the Center for American Progress um, when they they published that when I was interning there. Mm-hmm. So that really got me immersed in that in okay. that in that in CJ and everything. Um, so, so no more tech then, just criminal <laughs> justice at this job. I love everything. I love everything. <laughs> um, and then. Um, and then um, I was connected with uh, April um, through mm-hmm. Marissa. Okay, well, uh, hold on. I feel like we skipped <laughs> okay. a little bit. So we went from CJ to Marissa and yeah, April. Okay. There's, there's something missing here. Okay. <laughs> so you're doing the CJ stuff, and then what? Um, so I was I was doing the CJ stuff, and I also was doing. Um, I was also editor for this um, website called Off of Online. What's so, that one? Um, it's a, I've been editor since 2013. You still do it? I still do it. Okay. And so I have a team of, well, now, I mean, like a year ago, I only had about like six writers. So uh-huh. it's a website that provides um, reviews on off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway productions. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What's it called? Off-off-online.com. 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 Yes. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, so I, so I, you know, I just was juggling multiple hats. I was doing that and freelancing mm-hmm. and, um, and I didn't really get to do work on my memoir at all. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like you were busy then. Mm-hmm. And then I was also, um, the tween facilitator for all together now, the adoptee support group. Okay. So. Yeah. So I've seen them on Twitter and mm-hmm. on Facebook, mm-hmm. but I don't really know too much about that group. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about sure, it. Sure. 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 So Julie Young connected me with one of the board members, um, Casey, mm-hmm. and uh, she interviewed me, um, over the summer. And th- so basically my role there is, um, there are monthly sessions in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and, um, I am facilitator of the pre of the tween group. So I have about five, six, um, preteens mm-hmm. and um, I lead 
I lead sessions where we all talk about identity, race, adoption, oh, yeah? country, and um, and just this pe- just yesterday I took them to see Zootopia. Oh, and nice! Get hot chocolate, yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah, I, I love all the anime movies, so it was, it was a treat for me. Yeah. Some of them are good, and some of them are like, oh, that's all right. But like that one, I think, was interesting because it, it pushes forward a lot of race issues, but you know, in this allegory with all the different animals and the predators and the prey and having to live together and stuff like that. Very interesting. I think it was like, because, I mean, that movie must have been in development for, for years in terms of, I don't know how long it takes to animate a movie. I assume it takes a long time. It seems very complicated. Mm-hmm. But it was like all the race issues in America right now, it seemed like that movie was kind of, it must have been kind of prescient to be like, well, this is where it may go. So let's try to educate our kids a little bit about how to deal with this. What did the kids think of the movie? Um, like, yeah, I, a lot of the kids already, this was like their third time seeing it. Oh, really? So, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so they, they were just like, they were, they knew all the lines and everything. They enjoyed, they enjoyed it. They know yeah. the Shakira song. They can sing and dance <laughs> to it already. And the, and the gazelle looked like Shakira too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So they they already knew what was coming then. Yeah, I mean no, I mean I think I don't think all of them saw that. Oh saw yeah, it, but probably like a good half of them already like saw it. So you had a discussion about it afterwards. Um no, like um they we we went. I mean we we spoke a little bit about it, but uh-huh. I mean sometimes I I wanted to break it up the sessions. Like sometimes like I don't like you only can talk about like adoption identity like sure like like yeah especially with kids like that yeah, young they're preteens I mean mm-hmm. they're they're very well beyond their years yeah um but but I wanted to, I want I wanted to break it up yeah yeah, yeah. all right well so and you did a lot of that kind of stuff you still do that stuff I still obviously do that. yes yeah so yeah. that's once so that's once a month mm-hmm. and how do you like that um I like it yeah. But it's 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 a lot with that and my and uh, being on the board of also known as it's a uh, yeah a you guys definitely got I mean the AK twenty is coming up mm-hmm. and, and so it's busy it's a busy month in April here at the Probably gala right. yeah so and so wait how did you get involved with the Donaldson Adoption Institute then sure um so how that um so Marissa um so I so going back to the moth right so I. So I did that event in May, and then Danny mentioned that they were looking for board members, and uh-huh. then Jen and I applied, and then we started on the board in September, mm-hmm. and then um, and then I mentioned I was looking for a full time position. I was looking to leave freelancing, and then um, I spoke with Marissa, and she so kindly connected me with April. Okay, so Marissa is the connection then. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and April's um, on the board of Altogether now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, let's see. It's all coming together. Yes, it's all yeah. coming together. And then, um, and then, and then, April and I we met um, a couple weeks before, before that, before Christmas, mm-hmm. and um, and she, and she and and I just was the perfect fit. She was looking for a communications person and someone to help with fundraising and development, mm-hmm. and um, and here I am now. Yeah, awesome. Great. So tell me a little bit about April, because you said that maybe she would want to do an interview or something like that, or at least meet me. So tell me a little bit about her. Yeah, and April actually has her has her own podcast, which I need to check oh, out. Oh, really? But, um, What's her podcast about? Do you know? Just adoption stuff. Adoption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a good wheelhouse uh, for the DAI mm-hmm. CEO. Is that is that? She's the like, um, chief executive. Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. And so you've been doing that here for a lot, and then so what was. Uh, your input into the Dallas Let's Talk Reform. Is that what it's called? It's called Let's Talk Reform, right? Uh, let's, adop- let's Adopt Let's Adopt Reform. reform. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So you came on uh, for the Dallas one? Yes. All right. And that's kind of the first one that you did? And that was really, that was my, like, um, 
I really hit the ground running because I mean I didn't. Sure. I mean I went to Dallas um, before I set foot in the office. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> so your first foray into this new job was like you're going to Dallas yeah. and you're going to put this together. Um, so I just was helping with like like run the mic and just like coordination and checking people in and just uh-huh. um, and it was and then and then once I got to um, for San Francisco I really had a better grasp on okay. um, the mission and um, because, uh, let's adopt reform town hall um, the first the first city was New York back in November uh-huh. and then Dallas in January San Francisco in March and then um, April twenty eighth we'll be at the Chicago History Museum. Cool. Mm-hmm. You excited for that one? Yes. Is it going to be so? I noticed in the Dallas and the San Francisco one, you had some of the same panelists. Is the new one going to have some of the same panelists too, or we'll have the same panelists that we had in New York in November? Okay, mm-hmm. who were they? Um, so we're going to uh, Nathan Ross is uh, it's going to be on board again. Um, Joyce Pavel McGuire, mm-hmm. um, Leslie Leslie Pat McKinnon. April's going to be moderating, mm-hmm. and uh, we will have um, Gabriel Gabriel Blau. Okay. And Dr. Amanda Beaton. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Yeah, Amanda. So uh, is it going to be about the same topics? Yes, yes. So what are the with the topics for people for people who aren't familiar with uh, the Let's Adopt Reform town halls? Well, we talk about open, openness and adoption, um, national standards, and then um, and what we are doing in San Francisco. We're talking about um, making it a little localized where we talked about like homelessness, homelessness a bit in relation mm-hmm. to foster care and adoption. So, so it's going to be the same themes for so, Chicago I mean, then? We're definitely going to talk about race, class, and culture because that's right. something that's always in the news mm-hmm. and the headlines in Chicago. So Cool. So you're going to have an even bigger hand or you're going to be doing about the same stuff? Oh, probably about the same stuff, yeah. As in San Fran? Mm-hmm, yeah. That seemed like a pretty cool trip. You went to Alcatraz? You I went, to- yeah, so I, I um, <laughs> stayed a day extra um, my own time and I just went to Alcatraz. That was my first time in San Francisco. Yeah, I've never been. And then I went to the Golden Gate Bridge and I witnessed a man proposing to his um, girlfriend in the pouring rain. <laughs> oh, wow. That's romantic. Yeah. That's like some notebook stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, congratulations. <laughs> So you like photograph it and everything, or you um, just sat there and watched it? Was, it was pouring, and my umbrella was bro- <laughs> like I, I sometimes I'm like challenged directionally. So I, um, I, I didn't. I wanted to take like the public transportation and take the buses uh-huh. to the Golden Gate Bridge. I ended up walking like across the whole Presidio. Oh my god! And I just walked. And I in walked the rain. in the rain with the broken <laughs> umbrella, and I walked. This sounds really sad. <laughs> no, it was. I, <laughs> I enjoy. I, it wasn't sad. It wasn't sad. It was actually. I really enjoyed it, and then I felt like the dog whisperer because all these dogs came up to me because um, they uh, they had people were walking their dog, and one dog even started following me. <laughs> so I had to turn the other way so the dog dog would go back to his owner. Was he off leash? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, he just is following me. Like I'm like, you can't follow me. Going to your bridge. <laughs> he probably would have. I don't know. Yeah. So you had a good time out in San Fran. Are yeah. you gonna do that in Chicago too? You gonna spend some time out there? Um, I've been to Chicago before for um, a minority um, journalism convention back in two thousand eight. Oh yeah. Yes, and I love their deep dish pizza. So um, <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't really get to do like any touristy things. Oh so okay. I don't really know if I'm gonna have time. I'm only gonna be here for two days. So. Oh yeah. Well, I heard the uh, the architecture tour up there is actually pretty cool. If you're interested in that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but um, they do a nice tour apparently uh, up there. And then there is a good restaurant. You said you were a foodie. Uh, I think there's a good restaurant called The Girl and the Goat. If you get a chance to go to that one, it's the supposed to be very good. The Girl and the Goat, okay. Yeah. 
I haven't been there. What uh, are they known for? Goat, I think. <laughs> Other such dishes. Okay. It's supposed to be a very good restaurant. Okay. I'm not sure. I don't know. I've been to Chicago in a very long time. I remember I liked Chicago when I was there, but I haven't, I haven't been there in a very long time. So you start exploring. Wait, so do we skip over this NBC stuff? That you got the, so you got the job for NBC. You started writing this. You well, I went started, to Korea. Was um, that the first time you went to Korea? Yes. So the first time I went to Korea was October 2014. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote two personal essays right. for um, NBC News Asian America. So were you sent there on assignment to do that? Or you just kind of coordinated that? I coordinated it like that. I actually, um, my my friend who is who works full-time at NBC News, he actually um, convinced me to pitch my own personal essay. Oh, nice. Who's that guy? Um, Eric Ortiz. He's awesome. I know him through the Asian American Journal Association. Very good. So he's like, Heather, you have an incredible story. Just need to pitch your story. And he's like, he's like, you're, you're you know, you're going to Korea anyway. So were you? So what prompted you to go to um, Korea? Well, I w- I turned thirty in mm-hmm. 2014, and um, I just I graduated with my master of public administration. So right. I told myself, I'm like. I'm 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 making this trip now. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you just decided like I better just do it. Yeah, and I just I I felt like at that at that time I was ready and um, and I remember coming back from Easter um so I so I was in D.C. from like January to May 2014. Mm-hmm. I came back for Easter with my family and then um my aunt's stepmom's <laughs> daughter-in-law. Wait, wait aunt's <laughs> stepmom's. Daughter-in-law, Daughter-in-law is Korean. So is it like, wait, is it her stepsister then? Is that, am I not? My. I need a chart. Yeah. <laughs> I, so my my aunt's stepmom, because um, her her, fa- her father remarried. Uh-huh. So his second wife, um, her daughter-in-law. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a little complicated. It's like a stepdaughter-in-law. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, step No, stepsister-in-law. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my. <laughs> it's, so her. She. Yeah. yeah. So my aunt. Yeah. My aunt's stepmom's daughter-in-law. Yes. Is. Is Korean. Um, and I saw her, and I don't really see her. Korean American. She's um. Not adopted. She's not adopted. Okay. She grew up in Korea though. Okay. Yeah. And but she's um she's completely fluent in Korean and English. Uh huh. Um. And I really don't like I like I would never see her for Easter, and I don't really see her in like family um, and family engagements and everything. But uh-huh. she just happened to be there, so I took that as a sign, and I told her um, her name's Dayoung, and I told I'm like Dayoung, I I'm looking to go to Korea, and she's like when, and I'm like October, and she's like oh well I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my friend Mia and see if you could stay with her. Oh, yes. that's nice. So I stay with her. Yes. Where was that in Seoul? I'm in Seoul, and um, Mia lives right by um, Bukhansan Mountain. Okay, nice. So she, so her neighbor is like a, f- I, a famous Korean actor. I don't know his name. Oh, I really? Actually, I actually didn't see him when I was staying with her. But, he was on um, location. He was shooting. Yeah. <laughs> shooting a K drama or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, so it just, it just, every, everything just all, all worked out, and then, uh-huh. and then I reached out to um, Eastern Social Welfare Society, my adoption agency. Okay. I emailed them um, that summer. Yep. Just you know. Start the process to find sure. my to find my birth family, and, um, and that's how the timing kind of came with the um, NBC with NBC News. And okay. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's a good pitch. 
So October, why'd you pick October? Because October is a great time to go because it's not too hot and it's not too cold yet. Yeah. I love the fall and, um, and I, I want, I didn't want to go on, on peak like during the summer and I, yeah. and I definitely did not want to go in the heat cause I know I would be miserable if I went in no the kidding. heat. Yeah. 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 Well, Hey, that's when all the <laughs> gatherings are because airfare is cheap in the middle of August. <laughs> all right. So you said you stayed for about three weeks. Three weeks, yes. Awesome. So, how did your uh, birth search go over there? So I was, I was in, um, so I, I was in Seoul for about like, maybe like a little over a week and a half, uh-huh. and then I also went to Jeju for four days. Very nice. And I was in Busan for two days. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you went by yourself. I went by myself. Yeah. So I mean, Mia took me to like, um, she took me, she took me to like some like local things. Um, like I went to her like. Uh, like a family farm and everything, oh, nice. um, and we were picking, we were picking sweet sweet potatoes, mm-hmm. and I was watching her her mother make kimchi. But I did all the touristy things. Um, sure, by first time, first yeah. time there, you gotta do all mm-hmm. the touristy stuff. So yeah. you go to like Namsan Tower mm-hmm. and you know, visit Seoul. You go to Coex Mall at all? It's not really it's super uh, touristy, but they have a kimchi museum, which is sort of touristy. I miss, I miss. That. I went to like Dong Dong Market. Dong yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, so you hit a bunch of touristy. Did you go into Dong? I went to Intadong, I guess. Uh-huh. That's a nice area. I like that place. Very, very, a lot of art. And me, nice and, cafes. And, and me and Dong, they have like so many beauty. Oh, yeah, Myungdong. Yeah. yeah, sure. They and have I a lot saw, of fashion stuff. I saw um, Nanta? I don't know. Okay. Oh, wait, no, there's a cooking show, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, that yes. cooking show is pretty good. Mm, yeah. Yeah, well, that's also very easy to grasp, too, because there's not a whole lot of speaking, right? It's just, uh, it's almost like Stomp, but with cooking. Exactly. <laughs> it was incredible. And there's sort of a story going on. Yeah, so that's it. Uh, yeah, sounds like you had a good trip. So you went to Eastern? I went to Eastern. So before, so a couple of months before, my trip. I did schedule my appointment with sure. the social worker to uh-huh. view my birth to remember birth file. Okay. Did mm-hmm. you ever see the American version of that before uh, you went over there, or was this your first time looking this at? This is my first time. Okay. This is my first time. So Mia went with me because um, she also translated for me. Even though the social worker she sure. was fluent in English and Korean, it was just good to have a native Korean with yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. And and a. Uh, Kind of like a third party, independent third party, exactly. kind of too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what did you what did you find over there? Um, I was very frustrated, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. um, because I the only information that I have is my birth mom's name. Okay. And the, and they weren't even going to give me my birth mom's name. Oh, really? I just happened to see that on the paper, on the, on and, the I, file. and I and I and I memor and like I memorized that, uh-huh. and then they gave me some papers, but they wouldn't give me. Was my it written whole, down in English or was it written down in Korean? It was it was it was English. Okay. It was English, and um and I was frustrated because they wouldn't even give me my entire adoption file. Oh really? And um and they wouldn't even give me my birth mom's name. Like I just I, like I said, I just saw that right, from yeah. the documents. But when they gave, they were very selective in what documents they gave me. How did and you know? Was it all there? And they're just like you can see this sheet and this sheet, or was it? There was some private information about my mother and my father. Uh huh. Um, but um, my mother can't give me permission. I mean, she's deceased. Okay. And I yeah. I, I and I know she would want me to have the information. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, but I just was very frustrated because they wouldn't give, even give me my birth mom's name. I just, I just took it myself. And then they, um, and then they redacted her name when they gave me, um, some, <coughs> A of copy. The, some of the papers, but they wouldn't even give me, they were very selective in what papers they gave me. Wow. Um, and they, so, 
and I don't have any information on my birth father. Um, before I went to Korea, they mm. told me that my birth father lost his job at the time that um, at the time that um, they gave birth to me, uh-huh. and I have two birth brothers, and they couldn't support all of all you. of us. Right. Um, and quite honestly, I don't believe that's my story. Mm. Um, I. I didn't see anything in the paperwork until right. I see that in the paperwork. I'm not going to believe that's my story. Sure. So, um, and I was born in a birth clinic and I, w- I did meet the doctor who delivered me. And I, oh, really? I, I did. I did go to the birth clinic that I was there and I was there for a week. So where were you born in Seoul? I was born in Seoul. Okay. And then I was there for a week and then I was brought to Eastern and I was there for three months and then, uh, no, I was there for a month and then I, and then I was with a foster uh, I had a foster mother for a couple months, and then uh-huh. I was... Did you meet her? Um, she, she was deceased. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so your friend, her name was Mia? Mia, yeah. Mia, did she help you out at all with any um, of she, um, she knew She knew a lot of important people, and um, I went to her um, weekly meditation classes on Monday. Uh-huh. Um, so I really felt like I got the local... Like I did get the tourist experience, but I also felt like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to meditation. I'm like, yeah. I really... I, <laughs> it was really exciting. Uh-huh. Um, and so she had um, some of her... Some She had some really good connections, and mm-hmm. um, there is... Um, Sergeant Lee, the the cop, the cop in Korea, who's known for reuniting adoptees with their families. Oh, really? I don't know yeah. about this guy. Yeah, Sergeant Lee, and um, he and um, they 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 were they got connected with him and told him about my case, and uh-huh. he said there was really nothing that they could do because all we have is my birth mom's name, yeah. no um, no address, no phone number, no mm. date of birth, no information on my birth father. So I don't believe that. Seoul's a big place. And Seoul is huge. I don't, um, until I see, like, they just told me that over email. Like, oh, your birth father lost his job at the time they gave birth to you. and they Right, yeah. Like, like no I, official but, documents Yeah, no official documents. I did not see any of that mm-hmm. in... In my file. I see. So, did you did any of that end up in the NBC pieces that you were writing? Um. So. Um. Yeah. I did. I did. I did mention that. So. And when I got back, I did reach out to my social worker at Eastern, mm-hmm. and she put out uh, another call out through um KAS. Um. And then she got back to me and said um that their um the information is too limited. Mm. So. So what's KAS? Um. Korean. Uh, Korean Adoption Services. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they couldn't help you out, really? They couldn't help me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like, because I had a very, I, uh, a sort of similar situation, but it, it's like, so I did my birth search, and actually Holly McGinnis ended up going with me, because it was kind of towards the end of the gathering in 2007, so we went to Holt, and it was, I did not schedule it months in advance like I should have. <laughs> I kind of said a few days before, hey, do you mind if I stop by and do this? <laughs> Which is probably not the right way to do things, but that's what I did. And so Holly came with me. She was very nice. And the lady, uh, the social worker, was very nice, too. And so she showed me the file. She actually did show me the whole file, as I'm aware of it. And so we were kind of going through it. And you could see uh, the the birth names for my birth father and uh, birth mother are kind of redacted. Uh, but you could see I was born in a hospital on that day, so I know that's my birth date. But... Um, was it, and I was born in Masan, which is like way down south in South Korea. They said the story was, and uh, as I'm aware, this is a fairly familiar story, is that I was born into a private hospital, and the hospital has since burned down so that they don't have any more records, basically. It was like, okay. but And they were like, so we know which hospital it was, and we know at what time your mother, your birth mother was admitted to the hospital, and what time you were born, and the date. And I was like, 
Well, hold on. So you know all these details, but there's no other records. So it's kind of like an incomplete story as well. It's just like, this seems a little weird. I'm not, so I haven't really dug any deeper, but it seems kind of like, yeah, it's, it's a little bizarre. Yeah. I'm like, so if I had more time to dedicate to going over there and doing a little private investigating or hired. That's what I would probably do. If, yeah, yeah, sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So same thing. It was just like, I'm not sure if this is the whole story or not, but I also don't have the time or money right now to invest no, in, into figuring this all out. So yeah, I, I definitely, uh, uh, sympathize with you on, on, on many of these issues. Have you have you thought about uh, hiring a private investigator and looking deeper into it, or is you just kind of busy with everything right now? Um, <laughs> Same way I it's am. It's on hold right now um, because finding. I mean, yes, I'd love to f- meet my with my birth mother. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, God willingly, as long as she's you know s- still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not going to complete me. Sure. No, I, I totally yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you in the same like headspace I am? Where yeah, it's I used like, to like think like I need to find her and like yeah, but like I was okay. Like I'm like I'm like I was really proud of myself for going mm-hmm. and I did meet the social worker and I did you know you know I I did you know I did I just I did the start um I did the I did begin the search and I did 23andMe when I got back oh yeah and I actually connected I actually found a second cousin who's Korean American not wow that's Jesse, real close and he lives in um Houston Texas his name is Jaychi. Oh yeah, so you and, got you talk with him fairly often. Um, no, I need to really. Did he keep his Korean name, Jay Chi? I th- I th- I think so. It yeah. sounds like it yeah, could be. Yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to figure out like how like what side we are related. So I thought maybe he would be a missing link in mm-hmm. the in, sure. in my puzzle. So um, I speaking of that I do need to follow up with him. But um, yeah, like I like in my you know. In your childhood, like you're like, why was I abandoned? Why was I given yeah, up? Like, yeah. those why? are natural questions. Yeah, like why? Like why? 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 Why didn't they want me and everything? And then going to Korea really reconciled that. Um, yeah, I remember when I, um, even I mean, I'm seriously jet lagged, but I remember like when I. <laughs> When um, when I got to the airport and just to just just not to be the token Asian, it yeah, was yeah. like I'm like wow, like everyone. I mean, we don't all look alike, but I'm like wow, I really, I really. But all of a sudden, you're surrounded by people with black yeah, hair and the same did, shaped eyes. Yeah, but at the same time, there was shame because I don't speak Korean. Mm-hmm. So the woman Mia and her family and her friends, they all understood my, you know, they all understood my background. So yeah. They, you know, they didn't, they didn't shame me for not knowing the language or knowing anything about the culture. Mm-hmm. But um, when I did the touristy things and I went to like local shops and things by myself, um, you know, um, they people shop owners would automatically start speaking Korean to me sure, or yeah. taxi cab drivers and <clears throat> um, and I could tell that they got frustrated. I got frustrated when yeah, I yeah, couldn't, yeah. I can speak back and I felt really and I felt like they were shaming me. Mm. How did it, so you got around mainly by like taxi and everything like that? How did you get around um, there? Um, the, the train, the train and taxi. I mean, yeah. where like where I was by Bukhansa Mountain, it wasn't um, like wasn't really accessible like to public transportation. Mm-hmm. So I would have to take a taxi, like you know, to I one of the to, where was that? I for, like one of like one of one of the palaces. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. One of the like five or six palaces yeah, Jung, out there. Uh, Jung, Jungbuk, Jungbukum? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't like, so I couldn't really take public transportation from where she was, but I mean, when yeah, I got yeah. to the city, I did take it 
everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So that must have been pretty frustrating then. Just mm-hmm. you, Did you try to bring like a, a local guidebook or a little translator app or anything like that? No, not I mean, I did. I had like a like a pocket dictionary. Okay, but, yeah, um, sure. But I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really use it for the most. Mm. Yeah. So. They also, I should mention, if you ever end up going back, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a free translation service over there, and it's like on the window of the tag, some of the taxis. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you just like call the number, and like somebody will translate for you. So you're like telling what you want to tell the taxi driver, and they'll hand the phone over, <laughs> and it'll help you out a little bit. I think if you ever, do you plan on going back? Um, I do want to go back. I was thinking about going to Ica, but I'm not sure. Um, if the gathering this summer. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, to be quite candid, I was thinking about it, um, and I'd actually rather go to a new country. Oh yeah, I'm not um, sure. Because I, I've, you know, I, I've, I've been to Korea. It's pretty, been pretty recent. It was October 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that was that was close by. I mean, I love Korea and everything, but I do want to try a new country. I've, I've been really thinking about Bali. Bali's so, nice. Yeah, yeah, you go to Indonesia. If you go to Bali, I'm gonna tell you, don't go to Semenyak. Right, which is like the touristy area and stuff like that, because usually like a lot of drunk Australian kids, because okay. it's like their Cancun. Okay, I guess. Go up to uh, go up north to Ubud. Okay. Very nice. There's a nice monkey forest. The Ooh. food's good up there. A lot of art. Okay. All right, but stay out of Semenyak. It's a nightmare. And Kuda, Kuda also a nightmare. <laughs> They're in the same area. It's like the southwestern part of Bali. Uh, unless you just want to go and party and stuff like no, that. No, no, no. Yeah, I really want to go to the, see the monkeys, and I want to go for like the the spiritual aspect. Oh yeah, Ubud definitely, because there's mm-hmm. like a lot of cool yoga and meditation stuff mm-hmm. up there. You can like rent a scooter, go scoot around, go to different areas, explore. It's great. So yeah, definitely try that. It'll be good. You do you do the eat pray love thing out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think there uh, is Ubud. It might be a little bit further out, but there's also. Uh, uh, one of the top elephant preserves out there as well. I, I'll have to look. I'll have to give you some things to do. I don't know. Offline. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of your next adventure that you want to go on? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you still freelancing for NBC News or is this like now that's over and this is your full-time gig? No, this is my full-time gig. And then um, <clears throat> and then in my spare time, I just want to get back to my memoir. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you, it's been pretty busy, it sounds like, but you yes. want to revisit that. Do you end up going back to earlier chapters and you're like, cut that out now and I don't like this? I need to just really, um, <clears throat> one of my friends gave me some really good advice and she said just to um, just kind of structure your memoir in 30 scenes, but mm. like just in by scenes, like like just like the, who are the characters and 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 where are you like what's the setting yeah. and then just kind of do it that way like not like I don't have to flesh out like each scene and so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle that for this month and go okay. from there and I had to do it in baby steps because um, if I say I'm gonna do a chapter a week that's not that's that's not realistic that's not realistic that's not gonna happen because sure. um, and also for me. Um, Part of my resistance returning to my memoir is I don't want to go back to certain parts of my life, mm. um, just being that I'm in a very different state of mind right now. Sure. And um, some other not so pleasant experiences in my life. Um, I don't. Um, you don't want to revisit those. Uh, yeah, like I don't like I don't know how to remove myself, <coughs> distance from myself, but still still write it mm. so um but it's I, a memoir though i mean like how much do you have to really distance yourself from that exactly um so <clears throat> i just need to stop making excuses and just do it but but i think looking at it in like small uh, small snippets and like setting like the the scene um, uh-huh. 
that will really help me. So is it her advice to do a, a scene per chapter or a couple different scenes per chapter? I mean, it'll probably be like um, a couple a couple scenes in a chapter, but uh-huh. I just want to think about like my life in scenes right now mm. and then kind of put it together and everything. I do have like a good maybe like four or five chapters right now, but I don't know if I want to script them or okay. um, revise them. Maybe there's... I mean, I um, I read um, a, a chapter at the Cree Society. Um, they had the Adoptive right. Voices reading mm-hmm. back in September, and I loved that piece. That piece would definitely um, go, and I, I need to flesh that out more. So uh-huh. so what was that one about? That was be, um, my uh, Tinder experiences, dating experiences. Oh, Tinder experiences. Um, how I attend to um, how I track um, men like my father mm. being um, a like emotionally distant. Huh. Is that, so wait, so we mentioned earlier that you uh, kind of had some abandonment issues and mm-hmm. stuff like that and that kind of manifests itself in your relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you, why, why, do you, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel like you attract that kind of relationship? Do you think it's mostly stemmed from your father? I mean, so I mean, from the abandonment, that would come from the adoption. But, sure. But in terms of the character of men that I attract in my life, uh-huh. that's natural. You're, you're going to go from what you're used to, what you grew up as, you know, right, the father, yeah. like for a woman, the father figure. So that's, yeah. that's only nat- that's, that's natural. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of abandonment, that comes from um, deep inner child issues. Yeah. And obviously, ado- obviously like the adoption, like I realized like um, in my relationships or even if I just was like, you know, just dating a guy, um, like I would really get hysterical if I didn't if like if 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 like we left and I didn't know when I was gonna see him again. Mm. Like 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 when he dropped me off, like I constantly had to like know like when was an right, am I gonna see you like next next Monday? Am I gonna see you next Saturday? Like, when's the next appointment? Like like seriously. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's something I've always struggled with. Yeah. Mm. And I see it recurring, but um that's gonna keep recurring. Until I heal that part of myself. Sure. So, so you, you think you're working on that through so the yeah. memoir? Is that like kind of therapeutic for you? Yes, complete and therapeutic, and also like I do um spoken word. Yeah. And um, so writing is therapeutic, but also to be able to recite that to, um, I mean, to, to the public, to the public, and I mean, a lot of the public are my friends who support me, but a lot of them are strangers that I don't know, and it's right. so. Um, it, it, it's, it's so touching when they would come up to me after my performance and they'd be like, hey, like, I, I know exactly how you're feeling. Like, thanks for, thanks yeah, for sharing your story. Absolutely. So, um, so I've been kind of on a dating detox, but I'm ready to, ready to. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Ready to, um, and you know, just like loving myself, like sure. being good to myself, honoring myself because I'm very, very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and. and well, then that comes with being a perfectionist, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's important too because until I, I feel, you know, I'm, I'm I'm saying this in general, I'm not judging you. It's, it's easier to get into a relationship, a good, healthy, successful relationship, I think, after you've learned to kind of love yourself as mm-hmm. who you are and accept who you are. Exactly. So the quicker I think, or you know, the more you can do that, the easier it'll be, I think, in the future for you to kind of resolve some of those. Because issues. if I don't have, if I if I keep going and I don't, you know, I don't tackle and resolve these issues. I mean, the same man is going to keep showing up, and obviously, sure. that 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 doesn't work for me. It yeah. doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. I I know what I need, and I um um yeah I, I know I'm very emotional, mm-hmm. and I and I need someone who is emotionally compatible with me and emotionally available, and um 
Yeah. That's an emotionally intelligent and, you know. It's tough it, to find these days, I feel like, somebody who's emotionally intelligent. Yes. And also, but I mean, I'm work. I'm taking, I'm working on, I'm working on what I need to work on, but I, sure. I, I want a man who is, you know, working on what he needs to work on and like. And who's going to support you. And we're going to support, and, and we support each other. And yeah. I just, and like, and like, but he needs to be aware because so many people mm. are, don't want to pink, don't, don't want to point out the pink elephant. Sure. Sure. And I'm all about popping that pink elephant because I don't, I don't want to have. Just blinders. get it out of the way. Yeah, I don't want to have blinders on in life. Sure, yeah, yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you you found an outlet in your writing and everything mm-hmm. like that. And it's, you know what? I think uh, once your memoir is out there and it's published, it's probably going to help a lot of people with the same issues because, like we had talked about earlier, I feel like uh, adoptees have a lot of adoptees do have these abandonment issues the same way that you do. Um, you know, it's a common theme. So I, I have a feeling that your work will not only be therapeutic for you and you're writing it, but it will also be therapeutic for those who actually ingest it and consume it. Yes. Yeah. So you need to get that out there. Of course. Also. <laughs> and then also it touches upon like my first boyfriend. Um, he was half black, half Puerto Rican, uh-huh. um, out of high school. And I went through like a phase, like, you know, identity crisis in high school where I really got into, um, hip hop culture. Uh huh. And um, so it was, it was fitting that um, I was um, more attracted to African-American men. Okay. And um, he was emotionally and physically abusive. Oh, and I was Jesus. with him for three years. So he was, you know, um, my first everything. It's terrible. So just, um, so it's, so, um, so I need to revisit that for my, for my memoir. So that's kind of like, I'm just in a very different state of mind, like a happy state of mind right now. So I'm just... And that's why. Is that something that you feel like you're willing to revisit for the memoir? I need to. Yeah. I, I need to. I need to. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, how, have you done any work prior uh, regarding any uh, abuse and stuff like that, emotional and physical? Or I'm actually speaking at the um, New York City Asian American Student Conference. I'm leading a workshop on domestic violence. So. Uh-huh. All right. How many people are going to be uh, doing that panel? I'm. Um, I have about, like, maybe, like, just one other one other panel panelist with me right now. Okay. So I'm trying to see if I, maybe if Anne wants to join me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. When is uh when, so when's that gonna be? Um, that's in the morning from nine twenty to ten twenty. On what date? Um, Saturday, April twenty third. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, uh, tell me about the dates and everything for the next Donaldson Adoption Institute event in sure. Chicago. Sure. That is on Thursday, April twenty eighth, at the Chicago History Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, from um, doors open at 6.30 CDT. Um, the program begins at 7, but, you know, get there at 6.30. And sure. um, it's, it goes on until 9, 9.30. Is so. it going to be live-streamed online like the last live year? Live-streamed, yes. And, and where did they, where, did you just go to the Donaldson Adoption Institute website? Um, um, go to letsadoptreform.org. Okay. And um, they could, and then, and you can register and it will lead you to the uh, Eventbrite mm-hmm. page for either the live town hall or the virtual town hall. Great. And people mm-hmm. can live tweet that yes, along I, with me. Yeah, with the hashtag adopt reform. Mm-hmm. Hashtag adopt, adopt reform. reform. Okay. Mm-hmm. And where do people find more of your work if they want to uh, grab more of that stuff? Sure. Um, that's at www.heatherjschultz.com. Okay. You're mm-hmm. on Facebook and Twitter and I'm stuff? I'm on Facebook. Yep. So I have the same, the, so I use the same thing for everything. So Heather J. Schultz. Um, Twitter um, and then Heather J. Schultz you can find me on LinkedIn and okay and how do we spell Schultz I'm Schultz that's S-C-H-U-L-T-Z awesome Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sitting down with me. <laughs> Hope it weren't too, it wasn't too nerve wracking. No, not at all. No, you really... It was easy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a very, very, very friendly environment. Yeah. Excellent. Very well, nurturing. we're in your thank office, you. so this should be <laughs> pretty friendly and open. Feel comfortable? Yes. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Follow Heather on all those things. Uh, and Instagram, you can see her... Uh, Heather J. Schultz, yeah. As she... Uh, live uh, photo tweet things uh, <laughs> like the uh, Alcatraz and Golden Gate Bridge proposals <laughs> and all those things. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time, Mike. Thank you. All right. See ya. All right. And that's the show. That is today's episode. I want to thank Heather for coming on the show. Again, you can follow her on all of those different social media platforms. And it's usually Heather J. Schultz. So Twitter, it's at Heather J. Schultz. Uh, Instagram, same thing. Facebook, it's Heather.J.Schultz. And her website is HeatherSchultz.com. So very easy. She made it very... Or HeatherJSchultz.com, I'm sorry. She made it very easy for you guys to find all of her stuff. So you guys should go out and definitely do that and follow her right in. Be on the lookout for her memoir because I'm sure she's going to be publishing that very soon. All right. Well, I uh, again want to thank you guys for listening to the episode. Uh, starting to get a lot of good traction over here. Getting a lot of good guests on. So be on the lookout for future episodes. You can always subscribe on iTunes. That way you're not just doing a one-off. Uh, you can listen to all my past interviews. Great interviews with people like Danny Maori and Holly McGinnis and Jen Kim and AK Salin. Just like a plethora of people. And those are only the first couple guests. So you should definitely go online and check those out. Again, I'm on iTunes. Just search for The Rambler the way you did to find this podcast. I'm also on Podbean at therambleradhd.podbean.com. And I'm on SoundCloud. The last two episodes usually are on SoundCloud. Unless I have a really long episode because, uh, you know, they limit me to like three hours or something like that. Versus uh, the Podbean and the iTunes and stuff. You can, and I think you can find them on other podcast apps if you're an Android person. You can always like my Facebook page. I highly recommend you do that so you can stay up to dates with all the things that I'm doing and the places that I'm going. And you have a firm thing there. I don't have like an actual website. I have a Facebook page. And that's where I post all my stuff. Uh, and that is facebook.com slash TheRamblerADHD. You can follow me on Twitter at TheRamblerADHD. That's where I live tweet all the things. Like uh, when I live tweet the Donaldson Adoption Institute town halls that I watch virtually online because I have no time or money to go to Chicago, I can do that. You can do that, too, with the hashtag uh, Adopt Reform. And uh, that, that one's coming up pretty soon. So uh, mark your calendars and go to the website, letsadoptreform.org, or maybe it's .com. But you, you already heard all this information, so you know. You know because you listened to the episode. Uh, stay tuned next week for my interview with Julie Young of KoreanAmericanStory.org, where she has a awesome column called heart and soul s-e-o-u-l and she does uh, interviews herself on her show not your average which is super awesome and i highly recommend you guys uh watch a lot of that stuff prior to our talk and that'll be good you guys will really enjoy that all right that's all i got this week oh music is provided by the bell at needle drop records and also a collective effort and you can find them on soundcloud just go into the search bar and look for a collective effort all right uh, that's all i got this week in the meantime, leave me a nice review. Send me an email. Send me a tweet. Send me a Facebook message. You can write it on my Facebook page as, as well, I think, on the side. I, and people can see that. Now, if you would like to be on the show, please, please get in touch with me uh, at any of those things online. 
I'm very easy to get a hand, handle of. Handle of? A hold of. I'm very easy to get a hold of. Seriously, ask around. Ask your friends. Tell your friends about the show if you like the show. Tell your parents about the show if you like the show. Uh, tell your community at large. That's pretty much it. I'll talk to you guys next week. I'm out.